episode 389 after the whistle presented by Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino. Nothing else comes close. Couldn't really watch much of the game last night, Riv, but I have to apologize. Okay. The attempt was there. The wind, I don't know if you noticed, but the wind was so bad. The power was out here at my parents. Uh, it was out flickering in and out here all day. So it was like the game was was kind of in and out. So I saw enough of what I needed to see. But I had to take my son down to a practice uh, yesterday. So I have my phone. I'm watching on Spectrum, watching the game. And I was thinking that uh, the, that possibly practice could be canceled because they're talking about these winds being 65, 70 miles an hour and trees are going to be going down and this, that, and the other. And uh, when I was driving home after practice that night, there was nothing, there's no wind. It's nothing. I was like, where's this, where's this big storm that was supposed to whip through their windstorm or whatever. But uh, we luckily, had it out here in Orchard Park. Oh, did you? Okay. Oh yeah. Anyway. There's something else I wanted to tell you about Orchard Park. Remember the beef stroganoff I told you about a while ago? Beef stroganoff? Okay, yeah. Remember I came on here raving about a beef stroganoff at a restaurant here in Orchard Park? Yeah, where is it? They put it on the menu. I came on here, I raved about it. They heard about the after the whistle rant about the beef stroganoff at OP Social. It's on the menu. They asked me to name it. They asked me to name it. The and Andy. I said... No, I named it. I named, I said, I'll, let's go with the Pete because they call it the meat stroganoff or steak stroganoff. It's a steak stroganoff. So I said, call it the Pete stroke me off. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so they weren't down with that. So it's, uh, they kept it as steak stroganoff. So what can you tell me about the game last night that I missed? Almost had a winning streak. Sabres won two, lost to Seattle last night. Seems like we uh, we get a little flash of good, and then we want to lay off the team, and then you get a game like that when you come home for your first game of a six-game homestand, and we get that. Well, uh, again, you know, watching the game, there's there's some really good things that the Sabres do very well. And, uh, there's, there's small snippets throughout the game that they, they do a lot of really positive things. And the problem right now is, is as a fan, are you looking at it glass half full or half empty? That's kind of what it comes down to, right? Okay. So let's do this. Because there's a lot of things that they did very poorly. And I, I feel talking with a lot of my friends that you know, watch the Sabres, love the Sabres, are very dialed in. They are a half-empty group of fan base. This is a glass half-empty fan base because they're pointing out all the negatives that they're doing instead of looking at the positives because, you know, we've just seen too much of the same type of um, failure and negativity that we're kind of at a point of being just completely fed up like throwing up the hands throwing up the white flag it's like that it's like that chloe girl that you had mentioned on twitter that kind of wrote in and said the sabers lost my entire generation of fans i'm 20 years old i was eight years old the last time the sabers made the playoffs 
Kids my age just do not care about this team. And it's nobody's fault besides the team. This is this is a fan that's just kind of like that's a twenty-year-old fan. That one uh, connected with me because of what I said to you last week during a show. Yeah, I've got kids. They're kids to me between twenty-eight and thirty-five, thirty-six that were all that age. You know that were when we were making a couple playoff runs. You know that saw the Ottawa brawl. That were just remember my career or just my time here. Some of my fights and her generation of fans, I mean, really haven't tuned in much to the team at all. Yes. And and the ratings will indicate that, by the way. Like, uh, the TV ratings for the Sabres have been so low over the years. People are not watching this team. So that one struck a chord. And here's the thing. There I, still is a massive fan base here in Sabreland. There is a massive fan base, but I think the fan base after three different rebuilds, right? It's the Tim Murray rebuild. Then there's a new GM that comes in and he has a different philosophy and he rebuilds again. Yeah, he's the assistant GM then, in Seattle, by the way. Just want to throw that then, out there. You know, you have Kevin Adams comes in who kind of has a philosophy of trying to do quickly patch things up by signing a Taylor Hall, getting a uh, Eric Stahl. Um, he does some things that kind of, you know, put some, you know, a, a smile on, on the fan base on their, on their faces, but it did not work out at all. Okay. It was clearly like Taylor Hall went how many games without a goal. It was like just insane. It just didn't work out. So they moved so them. And yeah. they went in a different direction. They end up trading the franchise player in Jack Eichel. They trade away Sam Reinhardt, who's um, was the second overall pick. And you look at those One's two a cup guys. Champ. One has 30 goals. They traded Ryan O'Reilly. He has a cup. Go on. Montour, go on. Well, that's the thing. We trade away what? Montour? For a third-round draft pick? Guy put up 74 points. The same points as Rasmus Dahlin that we've just paid $11 million to. This guy we gave away. And and what's even more irritating as a fan is watching Montour. The reason why we got Montour is because he was a highly offensive defenseman from Anaheim. More or less a power play specialist. Yeah. In his time here in Buffalo, he never saw the power play. Like, at all. He was healthy scratched multiple times. So how let's... How does he go to Florida and put up 74 points? So let's go to last night then. I was looking forward to the game last night because of the last two games that the Sabres played. You know, there's a lot of people out there. Mike Harrington tweeted out about, uh, you know, why isn't Levi starting after the way he played at Montreal? Why isn't UPL playing after the way he played at Pittsburgh? And it's just, it goes back and forth. And you might've had a three goalie rotation, but now I, it doesn't seem like you either want to identify a number one or give a guy a chance to run with some games because you need to stick to a schedule. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on with the with the goalie situation, or even if there is. I just it just seems like there's so much uncertainty with this team. There, there is, and 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 you had mentioned this morning to me. Um, you know, why didn't they go back with uh, Ukapekalukanen? You know, he played phenomenal. He won a massive game in Pittsburgh. 
Okay. Yeah, but I even went a step further and said, why the fuck didn't Levi play in Pittsburgh after the way he played in Montreal? Like, if you have a plan, you have to deviate from the plan. And Levi went to Montreal, played an unbelievable game, and then I didn't care that UPL was playing. It didn't matter to me. But then he performed. So it was like, that's a wonderful thing. So then you have that. Then you have two days in between games. What it just it doesn't make sense to me why one of these guys hasn't played a back to back game in the last three games. I I, I, I think should Braden, have played after Montreal and Pittsburgh. If UPL was scheduled, they should have should he UPL. though? Should he? Here's here's my issue with it, and I understand what you're saying. We're talking about a 20 year 21 year old young kid. We're talking about a guy who had a hundred people in Montreal. He lives in Montreal, born and raised. He had a hundred people at the game. He had a very emotional game. Here's the problem to protect the kid and do the right thing. I don't think it was the right move to put him in Pittsburgh. That's just my opinion. I think I'm okay. Totally okay. With Uka Pekalukanen, who has been solid this year. Okay. Okay. And, I can live and with that. he comes back and he wins in Pittsburgh. So now I can live with that. Don Ganado has been asked in the past. Who? UPL. After, no, that's the that's my whole point. We're gonna be sitting here. We're we're you can't overanalyze and overcoach. Who's the number one goaltender on our team this year? Who who's the number one goaltender currently? Right I get now? it. Yeah, we don't have one. Okay, so it's going to be a tandem. It's going to be back and forth. No one is going to take the reins until the end of the season. Or actually, probably won't. Be, we're not. We're not even going to be in a position to, um, you know, put ourselves in a position to make the playoffs. I don't even want to say those things. But um, they're gonna. They're at least they have two goaltenders now. They have two goaltenders that are solid. Now you're going to basically play them one every other. Okay. All right. I understand all that. I understand the fans for wondering, and I, I also would like to see a goalie who plays well get another game afterward because it's called momentum. It's called getting in a rhythm. It's just yeah. it's called finding your game. I'm not a goaltender. I understand that, but it's no different for a player. It's no different for a player. Um there is a there is something else that happened in last night's game that we definitely have to talk about. Two shifts in, Tage Thompson off the top line, Middlestad on the top line. They go out and score two goals. Don Granado references this in his post game press conference. What's the reasoning for this? Uh, listening to his press conference, I think he definitely alluded to um, maybe didn't like some something that he saw from from Tage decided to move Casey Middlestat to uh, the top line and uh, with Tuck and Skinner. And from that point on, um, Tage um, didn't play his normal minutes. Normally, he's, he's well up into the 18, 19, 20-plus minutes. He played 15, what was it, 15 minutes last night? He's been very good. Page has been a very solid um, player for you know a number of games now. Um, and is he hurt? I don't think he's hurt. I don't why think are you he's doing hurt. That? What do you mean? Uh, why did he do that? 
Well, you're that's you're your the first line. one. That's your top line. It's been I know, the top but you're line. the one who you're the one who's bitching and complaining about Don Granado being harder on his players because of things that he doesn't like. And now all of a sudden you're going to tell me, well, that's his, that's the top well, player. Wait. I don't give a shit if he's the fucking top player. If he's Hold not doing second. two two shifts into the game, well, it took Tortorella one to sit uh, Noel Fabry, Joel Faraby, Joel Faraby. No, Joel. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? You didn't have a problem with Torch. We thought Torch was a genius by sitting a player after one shift. And Torch came out and they asked him. Sat him did... for how long, though? The whole the game, entire right? game. Okay, so what happened to, to Tage? He went and played with who? Casey's line. Yeah, he went and played so, with uh, Jordan Greenway. And... So, so here's what I'm going to tell you, Tage. If you don't play well, I'm going to put you with those guys. What are, what are, what are we doing here? What are, what are you doing? Do you I like the move I, or I, not? Not when you're playing against a team where you have to win. That team that sucks shit, that has no stars on it, that basically are just, most of them are are, are just hard-nosed guys. They're 8-0-2 in their last 10 games. So are we supposed to win this game? With the way well, that we've played, are we supposed to win against the Seattle Kraken? Yeah, you beat Boston, you beat the Rangers, you've beaten okay. uh, Toronto 9-3. to three or Do, do I need to go over the teams that we lost to? I know. So I don't think I we know. want to do that either, right? No, so, you know, you sit there and you look at the team and, and uh, you know, they've they've got some skilled guys. They did have Jordan uh, Schwartz uh, that, uh, um, that came, or Jaden Schwartz that came into the lineup who had been out for 16 games. He ended up scoring a goal in the assist last night, but um, they have, they have, they have a solid team. Like I wouldn't look at Seattle and say, wow, this is a, this is a team loaded with offensive talent. This is a team that is, you know, is, is special. No, they play a system. They're, they're, they're very defensively responsible for the most part. Um, they're a grinding type team, you know, Yanni Gord, the goal that he scored, what, I don't know if it was the first or second goal in front of the net untouched all alone, but where, where'd he score it? He scored it one foot away from the goaltender off a rebound. Um, I, I, I look at the team, I scratch my head and I think to myself, how, how is this team, you know, it's nine, they're exactly halfway through the season. Yeah. Savers. Sorry, I just cut you off. You're talking Seattle. I'm just... No, uh, no, no. Go ahead. They have 38 points. 17 wins. 20 losses already. The season is a failure. So they're on pace right now for 76 points. What were the other tank years? What was the tank year that we were like throwing games for Jack Eichel? And or Connor McDavid. Uh, what was been 60s, what were those sixties, low fifties maybe, high fifties? I can't remember, but it was it was bad. Obviously, if you're dead last, so you have you lost to Seattle. You have Ottawa coming in here, bottom of the conference. Vancouver coming in here. I don't know if you've seen what they're doing. They seem to be a pretty pretty good team. San Jose, Chicago, Tampa Bay. Do I feel? Do I even feel confident with? The San Jose Sharks? 
Do I feel confident that the, that they're now Toronto went and spanked them uh, last night, seven to one. But do I feel confident right now that the Sabres, like I feel that the the morale on this team is so sensitive and so uh, it, it's just not where it's where it should be. Like, it just seems like the, the there's no confidence. There's no even even after, hey, we won our second two games in a row. So I felt very good about them beating Montreal in Montreal. And I felt uh, very good for this team in a very tight game, playing really strong defense, being 1-1 going into the third period. The Sabres pull it out. My my I, final thought here, Craig, is is we're halfway through the season. I think that starting next season, you need to obviously do what you can in the offseason to revamp your entire roster. Not entire, but it needs to look a lot different when they play. Mm-hmm. But I also think you need a new coaching staff. Polly Hamilton, who obviously, you know, watches a tremendous amount of not only the games, but he watches the practices and he is in the dressing room, feeling, seeing the emotional side of the players, the vibe that's going in there. Like Paul Hamilton is not just walking in there and uh, hey, uh, and, 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 and asking questions. Paul Hamilton, Mike Harrington, guys like that have been doing this so long that they can understand the difference between a positive room, a room that's struggling at the time. You can see things evolve throughout the season. You can talk to the coach, how the coach answered questions, all this kind of stuff. The team is not constructed properly. And that's no on the should, GM. No one's denying that the, that the team is, is highly, highly skilled. But Paul talked, talked about, he's like, this is, he's like the Sabres played game number 41. He goes, this is nothing close to what it's like in the playoffs. He goes, this, the the Kraken played a style that is very similar to to playoff hockey, and he's like the the Sabers had no answer for it. They they weren't playing well, and and the roster construction is not the right roster construction. It's going to struggle because they're missing they're missing players that have roles. The roster that's constructed right now, clearly there is an issue. Like I will, when you, say, I will when, say this. When you te- when you when we talked about this after 10 games, Petey, remember that? Yes. We said, come on, give them some time here. You're like, give them some time, Rose. But we're now at 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 game number 41. Clearly, this roster has not played up to a standard there's players that are 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 sinking that there's there's other players that are getting extremely frustrated just like Jack Eichel did and Sam Reinhardt so i just hope that things can the, the ship can be righted i don't even know if that's a word but yeah I, yeah um this is the only thing i'll say before we go to jeremy um I have faith in Kevin Adams' ability to pull off the deals. I I question his vision 
of the type of team that he wants. That's that's what I question. I don't know if the type of team that he wants to build is the right type of team. But then again, maybe he hasn't had a chance to go in and get all those pieces. I, I don't know. I would but put the type of team that they want. Well, I think... Uh, they meaning Don Granato and Kevin Adams, I feel together have a focus on a team that they envision. And they're trying to work through it. Don Granato, man, I mean, got to give him credit. Like it is, it's done a good job developing players, but no, but Craig, certain coaches just don't have the ability to get teams over the hump. And I think this whole thing right now was an experiment from years ago. I used that word before where Terry Pagula needed to get rid of everybody. Bottrell wouldn't do it. Adam said he would, he fired everybody. And now he brought in all of his own people. And, and that's who's running it right now. And it is time for the owner to clean house and because you have so many good pieces here. You have so many good pieces to build a team. It's time to clean house and bring in the right people. I've said it before. The Leafs and all these other franchises, where did they start? They started in the front office. The Sabres did it backwards. They started with a player, and you can't do it that way. The player was bigger than the franchise. You need to have a front office that is bigger than everybody else. And it, you had it with LaFontaine. But that's all I'm going to say about that. It's 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 time for changes at the top. And I'm sorry, I'm not calling for people to be fired. I'm calling for, for people to be brought in who know how to do this job. Or at least help and give a different perspective and opinion. Fine. Like, are we going to sit here? I'm not going to sit here right now and say that Kevin Adams does not know how, does not know hockey. No, never. That he doesn't that. know how to be would a never GM. Say that. I, never say that. that is, that is complete bullshit. Okay. Did I say that? But no, no, you okay. didn't say okay. it. All I'm saying I'm is sure you know Kevin that. Adams, I think right now needs to start to look at his overall staff and how many of those are yes men. If you're injured in a car crash, you need an attorney who's ready to drop the gloves. Call Salino and let them fight the insurance company for you. Car crash? Call Salino, 800-555-5555. Who doesn't love a great pregame meal? You're in luck. Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino has the Buffalo Sabres home game dinner special. Available on home game days, Wednesday through Saturday, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Three-course prime rib dinner special, 50 bucks a purse at Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino. Nothing else comes close. He's back. Back. Back in the saddle again. It's a good tune. You've been hearing about the, your absence from After the Whistle, haven't you? Yeah, a couple of my After the Whistle fans here have joined my my um, Snipes and Stripes weekly, and now they're mad at me because I haven't been on with my boys for the last couple of weeks, and it's just not the same. So Wednesdays aren't the same without JR, they say, but um, sorry I took a little leave. I've been so busy, guys, I can't even tell you um, the amount of places I've been and things I've been doing. Well, can I tell you the truth? Jeremy, I'm uh, I'm just so sick of hearing it. How busy! I'm so sick of just like every time, boys. I was here. I was here. I was here. I was here. Like I don't even want to. 
I don't even I want to hear it anymore. I, I know. You know what? I don't want to talk about it anymore because it's just it just never ends. <laughs> well, well, do me a favor then. I, I want to get right into something. And I need to know what you know about the Cutter Gauthier situation. Uh, you know, I don't know too much. I, you know, I was going to, I was going to reach out to, uh, to Jonesy and just see what's the situation. But from all I've been hearing and just, you know, through the grapevine, he was, he was pissed off that, um, that they didn't bring him in last year and kind of, um, kind of, kind of gave him the, the cold shoulder. I mean, the kid wanted to come in and try to play last year and they said no we got to wait we're not going to do it i think that put a bad taste in his mouth and also you know i think all this stuff he's saying oh you know i'm happy to be a flyer i'm happy to be this i'm happy to be that and this kid is the biggest penguins fan and probably hated the flyers from from past uh you know from past rooting experiences but um but i think he told the management in his meeting that i would love to be a flyer I think between his hatred of the Flyers as a kid and growing up a Pittsburgh fan and a Crosby fan to where now they drafted him fifth overall and he wants to go play. He wants to sign and he's doing everything he can do it. And the team says, no, thanks. We're not ready yet. We, we, we can't do it right now. So you get off the wait. Um, Why is that a bad thing, JR? Why is uh, that a bad thing that Cutter Goche can go and play D1? Okay. Yep. Go and tear it up. Where is he? Where is he at? Boston College. Boston College. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. You can go tear it up at Boston College, and 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 wait for a team because the Philadelphia Flyers last year, okay, were not a great hockey team. They were no, they a weren't. bottom bottom five team in the league or whatever. And now all of a sudden, he wants to play this year, and they say no to him. Say no, no, no. We we need to give you. We need to give you some more time. We don't want to bring in a young guy this early. We want to get our shit together in in, in Philadelphia. They made a lot of changes. Mm -hmm. Went and changed yeah. two of their top offensive defensemen. Um, went and changed out uh, Kevin Hayes, who was one of their top players and older players at the time. Like they made some moves. Yeah, so it's almost like they were trying to clean the cupboard out before they were going to bring in a guy like Cutter Goche. And I don't, yeah. I don't understand why he would be so upset. I, I don't either. And maybe there's something about this kid that um, that is coming to fruition in terms of his attitude, in terms of his personality, in terms of his um, his ego. Um, and I don't know whether it's his agent or his family or his close people to him, his camp that are kind of putting things into his head. But I just don't think this is a I don't think this is a smart thing to be starting a career out having this sort of situation with a with a, a high profile team especially a team where we know the fans and it is a, it is a wicked place to play. You're just starting off on the wrong foot. It's How about the squashed. first game he's going to play in Philly? He is going to get, that's good. I am not going to miss that game. I am not going to miss that game. That's going to be one heck of a, of a boo session. And this kid won't, they, they won't, he'll have nightmares. He'll have nightmares for weeks after that game. Well, I, I feel like, uh, Kevin Hayes is getting the shaft here a little bit too, because a lot of people are accusing him for influencing this kid into not going there. And he has actually apparently made it quite clear to Ryan Whitney and maybe some other people that that is not the case, that uh, he didn't steer this kid away from Philadelphia. I don't know if you guys read that at all or thought, thought that. I would, I would, I would be very surprised if that happened. Uh, you know, that Kevin Hayes is a really good kid, man. And I think he's respectful. I mean, he's a, 
regardless of his own things, he, I don't think Kevin would put a young kid in that sort of sort of situation. situation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's really, that's just bad press. I mean, look at all the press he's getting. I mean, he's getting some ser- serious bad press from a lot of people. Um, you know, I think Philly, I think Philly handled it uh, as best they could. They got a great player back, um, a great defenseman back, which I think they needed. Uh, they got a, They got another top pick that they can go out and still keep building. You know, I think Jonesy and Jonesy and Danny Breer have been has done an unbelievable job of just piecing things together, staying patient, and doing things properly. There, are you, but, are you, you surprised? Know? I don't want to drag this conversation on, but are you surprised they didn't get more in return? Um, no, not really. What that, I mean, what what does what the kid coming back was a sixth overall pick, um, and a right you know, right hand shot defenseman. Yeah, it's you know it's again it's it's a fifth fifth overall pick to a sixth overall pick. You get another pick back for it. I mean, here's a kid who hasn't played yet, right? Yeah, he had a great World Juniors. I mean, right now that his stock is at its peak that it can be without playing in the league. Uh, he was one of the better players over in the World Juniors. And he's he's ripping he's up. He's got to be one college. of the best. He's got to be one of the best players not in the NHL right now. It could be, yeah. But he, again, you, you know what it's like getting to the league, man. It's it's a different ball game, and it, everybody can say he's got potential, potential. But sometimes you have to take a, you have to make a decision, and you have to roll the dice. And I think they got back a, a pretty good, and what they needed too, uh, in return. I'm gonna tell you. I what, think that's man. important to say there that. Um, the first thing I'll say about the trade is I do not believe they got value. I think Cutter Goche is going to be a superstar in this league, not a star. Yeah, he's going to be a good. superstar. Um, Jamie Drysdale is a very strong player. He was drafted six overall. He's also a guy that uh, in his second year blew his knee out and only played eight games. Mm-hmm. He's come back this year. He's only played ten games. Don't know why. I don't know what the injuries are leading up to him only playing 10 games. But, um, you know, the Philadelphia Flyers need a player like Jamie Drysdale. Okay? He's, he's young. He's very talented. He's a right-handed shot. He's a power play guy. He's, a, he's, he's an offensive puck-moving specialist. He's going to be a guy that's going to be playing 25 minutes a night in Philly for a very long time. So... Mm-hmm. The key to that, to make this thing really work, is that second round draft pick. It's got to be a good one. It's yeah. got to be a good one. Because Cutter yeah. Gauthier is going to be a very good player in this league. I truly, honestly believe that. Cutter yeah. Gauthier didn't do his homework, man. Philadelphia is exactly where he wants to play. Oh, should like I couldn't think of a better place for. Could a you imagine? Fuck. Could you imagine? He'd and he own that. Played, he, he would he, own that. Own he that. Could have played any way he wanted. He had Delorier and he had Hathaway, and he could have done anything he wanted, and nobody would have touched him. He is. That was like uh, to me. Now you're going to fucking Anaheim. I don't care if it's in yeah. California. You're going to Anaheim. Yeah, he's gonna he's he's gonna get lost in the shuffle out there. Nobody's gonna be talking about him. I mean, honestly, literally Anaheim. As much as I, as much as I love um, a lot of the guys that were been involved with that team, Tamu Solani is still a part of that team. Does things for him. That team just gets zero attention. You don't zero. even know that. Yeah. T- you don't even know that team is in the league. You know, unless they're, you know, unless something crazy happens, nobody talks about them. They don't even. They don't even show highlights on them on ESPN. They don't even talk about them on NHL radio. You know, and it's most actually, irrelevant Stanley Cup champion team maybe in history, ever, ever. When they I mean, won, it was just kind of like, ugh. 
And they're not doing anything to help themselves to either because they're still one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. So it's just, it's crazy. Well, Zegris is on the trading block. Does that surprise you? No. What's he got? Two goals this year? And he did, the goal he scored, his second goal that he scored was that, that beautiful lacrosse back in the net. And that shows so much talent. Can you imagine having that much talent to be able to pull off a goal like that and only have two goals? I think he called There's, it that game too. I think he called well, it. Well, the, the the, yeah, the interviewer act, actually asked him to do it for. Can you do me a favor? Can you score a lacrosse goal for me today? And he did it. So, by the way, if 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 you look at it from outside the box, somebody asked him to do something. He said he'll do it. He does it. Why does he do it every night? Very coachable. Why does he? Why does he get more goals? Because he wants to score more goals. Obviously, he wanted to do that. I just don't understand. There's something seriously wrong with Trevor Zegers. Something seriously wrong. Whether it's his attitude, whether it's his work ethic, or whether it's the desire and dedication to go into those high traffic areas and really put in the work to get around it, but he's not doing it. And I'm telling you, that team is at wit's end. Do you think well, he got a lot of un- undeserving stardom, cover of the magazine, All Star Game Show, you know, for really just being a, a bit of a highlight reel producing rookie? Yeah, of course he did. Um, he came in guns a blazing, but then he got comfortable. He got comfortable in California. He got comfortable, you know, in in his role, and he got comfortable being a star in Anaheim. And it, it seems like it's gotten to his head. Go ahead, Riv. You're itching to say something there. No, I was just gonna, uh, you know, when you're talking about Trevor, Trevor Zegers, they, you know, in this league, if you want to win. There's a difference between winning and highlight videos being on TSN, ESPN, NHL. Okay. There's a difference between winning and being a highlight video. Trevor Zegras is extremely well-known, even though he plays in Anaheim, he's extremely, extremely well-known in this league around the world because of his dynamic highlight video creativity. Okay, yeah. creativity. The problem that Anaheim sees in this young player is they're they're not denying that he is an offensive um you know dynamo. They're worried about the way he plays the entire 60 minute game. They're worried about his defensive responsibilities. Yeah. Like they just talked about it. Uh they just talked about him saying that they're working with him. They He has all the offensive flair that they need, but they're trying to work on getting him to understand that there's another part of the game. And that's, that's, why, that, 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 that's why he's making five and a half million and not making the eight million that he probably thought he deserved or thinks he deserves. And Pat Verbeek is sitting there saying, no, you're a defensive liability. And until you can learn to play a, a 200 foot game, you, you, you can't, you can't make the, the, the money that, you, that all these other players are making. And yes, Riv, you just said something that was pretty interesting. You said how dynamic offensively he is. He ain't not offensive dynamically at all. He's got two goals. And how many points does he have? Probably. I listen, mean, I don't want to tear the kit down, but he's probably very easy to play against. I mean, I can't absolutely. imagine. Well, he's not the best skater in the world. Right? He's got he's four goals, f- seven points in, in uh, 20 games this year. So he's been goals, hurt. So he's been hurt, but I, okay. Give him, give him a little. I don't, give, uh, JR, believe me, I'm not saying that the reason why he is struggling 
is because he's hurt. I, I agree with you. I think the kid's dynamic. I think he sees a, a game that if you're playing in an all-star game, Trevor Zegers is the first person that, that you're going to pick onto your team. But this isn't yes. the all-star game. We're no. not playing. We're The all-star game wins you nothing, wins you a yeah. car. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're talking about winning games and winning championships and, and making playoffs. And, and Trevor Zegers, uh, as much as he's very talented, is um, miles away from being the player miles. I think Anaheim need him to be for the organization to move forward. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and it's it, and that's a tough situation to be. Now, again, he, he, you say he's on the on the trading block. Is his is his stock at the lowest possible? Like, what are they going to get for Trevor Zegers right now? Because there are a lot of questions. There are questions on on his health, question whether whether he's dedicated to the game, um, his his attitude. I mean, there's a lot couple of things. Second, that, that, a couple second round picks. I mean, I'll tell you. Listen, I, listen. Well, I, I, I he's an American kid. I hope great things for him. Um, but you know, you watch him in a game. I was at a game uh, not too long ago and watched his body language on the ice. I watched. I watched the way he talked to the referees when he when he got a penalty. I, I there was a lot of bitching and complaining coming out of his mouth and showboating and facial expressions and stuff like that, which which is okay. But this is he's still a new new newbie in the league, right? And he was kind of acting like he's been around for 12, 15 years. So I don't know. I'm not trying to put the kid down. I'm just making observations of what I see and he's got to make a decision. Obviously the kid can play, the kid can score, but he has to do the things that are going to make him successful. Cause right now he's not, whether it's maybe because of injury, like, like ribs just said, maybe give him a, he's only played 20 games, but still 20 games. He's good enough to have more than seven points and yeah, four goals. Yeah. Oh, he is. I, well, here's uh, the thing. Young players like him, and and there's been players like him in the past. You know, the pathway to the NHL is, you know, he played in prep school, you know, Avon Old Farm, JR, Battle Grand, for, you know, mm-hmm. a prep school from New England. And then from there, he went to the National Development Program. What are those kids that go to the National Development Program? They're the elite of elite. the elite. Their, yes. their shit does not stink those 25 kids. Okay. They're the pinnacle and they're treated like the pinnacle. So through the ages of 17, 18, he is, he is God. He is God. Okay. Then he gets drafted to the NHL and he plays one year at uh, Boston university has 36 points in 33 games as what a 17 year old kid. And then all of a sudden now um, the next year he's playing in Anaheim. Playing in Anaheim has the world by the balls. Um, he is dynamically offensive through a couple of his years in Anaheim, and his yeah. name. Don't forget, don't, don't forget what he did in the World Juniors. World it, Juniors, he absolutely tore up the World Juniors. That's right. right? That's right. Yeah. So set, set set an American record. Exactly. Broke my, broke my record. They're all. Uh, I didn't want to bring that up, Jr. But it's anyway, okay. I'm used to that now. <laughs> but my my point is like a, a young player when you're when you're 18 and 19 and 20 years old, 
You know what the you know what the uh, the teams say to super dynamic young players when they're making mistakes defensively. You know what they say to them? Nothing. That's they say nothing because they've been dominating for years. National development program, all these this top end hockey, and then they get to the NHL, and these kids are kids. They're kids, okay? Mm-hmm. They have a kid brain on them, but they're super insanely skilled and dynamic, and they make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake defensively yep. because they don't care about defense. Defense no. doesn't pay the bills. No. Offense Mm-mm. does. Yeah, and exactly and that's right. the problem with some of these kids. And Trevor Zegers is not the only young player like this. There's many of these players that are coming out. They're all offense driven. And then you're trying to, and as a an organization, a coach, whatever, you understand in order to win games, you need to be great defenders. You need to be you need to be offensive, but you also need to be able to play the other side of the puck. And some of these yeah. kids are struggling. They're struggling yeah. to be able to, you know, take on that defensive responsibility. Yeah, it's a great point by you. I mean, you would know. I mean, you've been in, involved with the young, the young generation more than I have, but I can see it. I can totally see it. Well, uh, what are your thoughts on Nylander, Jr.? I love it. I actually yeah. do. Um, I was I've, surprised. Surprised is I've the been, only word I could use to describe. Well, I'm surprised that, that I'm surprised that that. that that Toronto could afford to do that, which leads me to believe that maybe there might be a trade looming because it's probably easier to trade. And I don't know if he has no trade clause in there. I'm just speculating. I don't, I have no idea what the logistics, but I do know, you know, he's making some pretty big bank. What's it? 92 million over eight years or something like that. That's um, just so you know, Mitch Marner has a no movement clause, which is the lock signed, sealed and delivered clause. He has that for this year and next year. So he ain't going anywhere. Yeah. Well, no, he's not. But he, they, you know, Toronto already had the chance. They had the opportunity last summer to get rid of him and they didn't do it and they lost that chance. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, do, do you, any of you guys know whether, um, whether Nylander has a no trade in his contract? Yes. Because there's no movement clause. Nylander does also. Yes. Okay. So then the Toronto just put themselves in the pickle. Right. Because between Marner, Nylander, Matthews, Tavares, and Riley. Right. That's I like mean, a that's, fifth, that's 50 million bucks. Yeah. Over. Over. Yeah. Yeah. Over 50, 50 million. 52 that's 50, million. Yeah. yeah. 50, 53 million. That's, that's crazy. You, you have 40, you know, now with the cap moves. I mean, it's going to move 4 million bucks. Big deal. But that's still, man, that's, I'm happy for Nylander. Let's just, let's, let's not take it on Toronto's uh, paycheck. What it is that Nylander is, is he's shown over the last couple of years, he's been consistent. He's been dynamic. He's been the best player in the playoffs for that team over the last two years. You know what I I like about Nylander the most? He has had to be the number two, number three, actually not number two, number three or number four man. Yeah, and you know what? The he entire time anything. took an entire took a took a, a lot of heat for the con. Remember, he held out for that last contract. Remember, he held out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. He held out. Didn't have a great year when he came back. Lost a lot of love from the Leaf fans, and then now all of a sudden, no one remembers he, that because this kid is st- performing at a rate that is just he's he's unbelievable. 
but he stuck with it, right? He didn't bitch. He didn't complain. He didn't, he, he just went about his business and just became a better hockey player and more confident hockey player. And the fact that he stay, he wants to stay in Toronto means something too. I mean, I don't. Yeah. To, that was the biggest so, part to me that he wanted to stay. Cause I thought he would have hit the market and gone. I mean, we all did gone to Chicago was my destination for him. I had it. Yeah. Had the dart already put on it. What are we going to say, Riff? Well, I was going to say that it doesn't surprise me that they're able to sign William Nylander. Okay. Um, next year, when they start the year next year, they're going to have two goaltenders wall and they'll have, you know, one of Dennis Hilderby, both of them make, you know, one makes 840,000. The other makes 766. There's your two goaltenders. Okay. When you look at, you know, they're adding William Nylander and it's going from a $7 million deal to an $11.5 million deal. So you're going up four and a half million. Well, if you were to, if you were to cut Tyler Bertuzzi, okay, at five, five and just bring in a guy who makes 900 from the minors, then everything's fine. You don't even have to worry about it. They but have guys cut, coming but, off there. But like they have team? JT Miller, J, uh, JT uh, or TJ Brody, who makes $5 million. He's coming off this cap and he, they're not re-signing him. He's done. You know, you have Bert, uh, uh, Bertuzzi making 5-5. Five, five. They're not going to bring back Max Domi for, for $3 million, I don't think anyway. So they have the ability to get rid of salaries. The problem is you're going to have to hold for one year John Tavares, he will be on that contract for one year at $11 million. You know what he's going to do after that? I will, I will bet, I will bet Play for a million. large amount of money that after they've talked to him, he's he'll 33 for, years old. He'll play for the he is going to play for a million bucks and say, all I want to do is win a Stanley cup. I don't give a shit about money. I've made a hundred and friggin' 20 million in my career. I'm going to make a million dollars and we're going to go and win a goddamn cup. Yeah. John mm -hmm. Tavares is still playing at a high level. Yeah. He's a point yeah. per game guy. Yeah. I agree with you, Riff. I agree with you. Cause that's the kind of guy John Tavares is to tell you the truth. So um, well, you don't think that he's discussed with Austin Matthews, but the problem is, think he's discussed with William Nylander. You don't think sure. he's had a conversation saying, guys, 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 listen, we're going to win a fucking cup, man. Okay. You guys make your money. I've already made my money. I'm 34 years old or 33 years old. You guys, we're going to win this. Okay. Let's keep everybody together. The salary cap's going to be tough for one year, but after that, things are going to break and we're going to go after it. But, but the problem is, is what you just said, you have an 800 and a $700,000 goaltender. Okay. You have, you have a defense that's going to be, that's going to be too deep. Now you're going to get three, you're going to get four five and six are going to be, you know, toss ups at the best. And your fourth line is going to be God awful. So unless they get lucky and find a couple, you know, hardworking, you know, um, you know, prizes hidden somewhere that just come out, come out of nowhere. But it, can you win with just five guys? Can they win the Stanley cup with just five guys? I mean, they're five hard. good guys. They're five good guys. Don't get me wrong, but can they piece around what you need? And you know, as well as I do, you need a solid third line, hardworking uh, line that can chip in offensively. And you need a fourth line that can get control some offensive time have some toughness, 
you know, be dependable, yeah. be dependable for, you know, for you know, 10 minutes a game, or whatever a it big, is. Big, tough, Zadorov like defenseman. Yeah. So, I, I mean, they that, don't have that. Piecing those, piecing the, the, the pieces around it with such little salary cap is what is probably going to be their downfall. And if they, hey, listen, they can. Well, JR, can it's going it. from 83 and a half to next year, 87. Point five. Okay, so it goes up for Schmilly. Okay, and that's, the that's, the year after that, Jr. It's going to go from eighty seven to ninety. Ninety. And yeah. The year after that, it's going to go from ninety to ninety three or ninety four. Yeah. It's going to go up a lot yeah. because they yeah. are doing very well. So I think they're taking into context that all of this, their time to win, they're they're thinking to themselves, is is it win right now? And the answer is no. It could be really win in year 2025 26 when the salary cap has gone up significantly that John Tavares's contract comes off the books that Tyler Bertuzzi at 5 by 5 comes off the book a TJ Brody comes off the book at 5 now all of a sudden you're starting to revamp and change the dynamic but you still have your top 5 guys signed but but yeah. one of your one of your top five guys is not going to be as as effective because of his age, his age and he might right? go from a second line center to, to a third, third line. line center and that's yep. okay john but he's, still, but, but he's still that he's still that leader that you need in the that's right room. yeah yeah it's, he's still yeah, gonna, a, listen you say that john Tavares is not going to be still dynamic at age 35 36 i think he's a very good hockey player he has very shown good. That he is not he is not worn down in a sense that physically he is just like beaten. You know, two years ago he had 27 goals and 76 points in 70 79 games. Last year he had 36 goals, 80 points in 80 games. Yeah. This he's, year he has 12 goals, 34 points in 38 yeah. games. He's still yeah. playing at a super high level. Well, it's it's one thing his his brain, he's he's his hockey IQ make him dangerous. It's not his speed. It's he's talented, but the kids, you're not going to lose his brain. You're not going to lose how smart he is. So that's, you know, moving forward. It's not like Ovechkin, like Ovechkin, his numbers are dropping ridiculously because he can't do it by himself. He doesn't have that, uh, you know, that brain that I think that John Tavares has that is a point producer. He needs other people to get him that puck in order for that puck to get in the back of the net. And it, it's it's showing glaringly this year. But I, I agree with you 100%. Does yeah. Ovi walk away without the goal record? Um, he might have to. Well, that's that's kind of what I'm wondering. Like, how? I mean, he could get, what? how many How many does he have this year? Eight, nine? Yeah. He's got eight. He's, so, He's got eight. eight. Okay, so he has eight goals. You don't think that Ovi can score 12 goals in the next 43 games to give him 20? He could, but the, 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 the odds are against him right now. No, I think the odds are with him, JR. He scored eight goals in how many games this year? How many games 40. have they played? 38? Okay. Okay, so he's played 38 games, eight goals. So I'm just, what I'm trying to say is if he plays a full season of 82 games, you could probably see him coming close to 20 goals this year. Now you're saying, I don't think he'll get there. Well, 
I mean, when's the last time we've seen Ovi score eight goals in 38 games? He has it's clearly true. literally fallen off the face of the earth. Okay, well, but- let's, let's listen to it this way, too. He has three empty net goals, okay? Now, this Washington team is, has been very good defensively and they've had a chance to win. So, I mean, some of these goals that Ovi's going to be relying on could be end of the game, winning by one, empty net goals, which yep. how many of these games are Washington going to really be in that situation? Uh, besides right. that, he's got five. He's got five. Yeah. Right? And three of them are power play goals. Yeah, it's his numbers. And listen, we're not being we're not being down on Ovi. I mean, Ovi's thirty eight years old, right? He's thirty eight, and he's still he's he still plays at a high level at thirty eight years old. So give him a lot of credit. But he has nobody around him. Nobody's really that could really be that guy. I mean, Kuznetsov. I wouldn't even even put Kuznetsov in that situation of saying, "Oh yeah, he's, he can get him the puck," because Kuznetsov is a is a wishy washy play. You know. You know who knows what's going to show up type type of player, but you know what's Dylan Strom going to going to help him? Tom Wilson? No. Anthony Mantha? No. So if I were to tell you, Jr. After the season, Ovi scored twenty goals this year, which basically puts him at fifty-two goals to tie the record. Um, he's thirty-eight years old. He'll be going into his thirty-ninth year next year. Do you think that Ovi? over the course of three years or four because he is not quitting until he scores. I don't care if he scores eight goals a year for the next seven years, he is going to, he is going to beat this. That's still not going to do it. (laughs) I, 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 you know, I kind of, I kind of agree with you. Seven times eight. I kind of agree with you. What's he need? There you go. 52. Wake up. bud. do the math. I didn't know how many he needed. I mean, I know what my body felt like at 39, you know, I, how hard it was to, to play the game, especially this game uh, that these guys are playing. He's yeah. going to take a big, he's going to take a big dive physically from 38 to 39, to 40, a massive, massive decline I'm telling you. Well, we, we're seeing that- it now, right? We're, we're, we're kind of seeing for the very first time in his career that we're seeing a massive decline. He came into the league in 2005, 2006. He's played a very, very long time, 18 mm-hmm. years. It's yeah. taken 1,385 games, and he hasn't played the Dewey Dangle or soft 385 games. It's been mm-hmm. a smash mouth. Yeah, hard he's, he's played hard. He's played hard. Yeah, he's played hard. So let no me let me uh, let me ask you this. Paul Bissonnette had a had a a good tweet the other day, and it might have been yesterday. But he said, "Ovi may not break the goal record on his current contract. What team in the NHL wouldn't want to bring him in to have him on the roster to break that record?" There, I mean, he'll he'll be in a point where he'll play for a million dollars on that team. If if yeah, he'll that's stay what, there. He's he's made. An absurd amount of money. He's made well over 150, 60 million. Money is not the issue. The issue, he's won a Stanley Cup. He's gone to the Olympics. He's done everything that you possibly, he's been, he was drafted first overall into the NHL. There is one thing that this man wants. There's only one. And I think the owner and the franchise want it more than anything else. They have their cup. Yeah, he's not going to leave. He's not going to leave that down. But you know how hard you know you know what it, you know what it, it's also a badge of honor 
which doesn't happen too often to play on one team your entire career. And that's pretty special. Absolutely. Um, and I think, I think, Oh, I think Ovi wants to, wants to do that. And I think he, you know, whether he's a relationship fan relationship guy or not, um, you know, I've, no, I've, I've known Ovi for a long time. He's a good guy, right? He's a fun loving, happy go lucky guy. I think he, he loves the game and I think he really cares about his team. And in, in saying that, I, I think he, if he's going to do it, he's going to want to do it with the team he's been with the whole time. I think he would feel shitty doing it on another team and giving that other team kind of the, the glory. There's zero chance that, that he'll do this on another team. Zero. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you, buddy. I agree with you. Your I boy in you. Vancouver, JR, before we get out of here, your boy in Vancouver just keeps keeps absolutely crushing it. You got two Canadian teams at the top of the divisions in the West. You crushing Winnipeg. It. Just crushing at Winnipeg. And then you have Vancouver on the other side. Who, who, who's the bigger surprise to you? Who's the bigger surprise? Winnipeg. Yeah, I got I to gotta admit that too. Because I, I think the, the roster in Vancouver has been strong. And you've seen it with some unbelievable players. But, you know, Winnipeg losing Wheeler. Um, they, the Hellebuck is having a hell of a year. Um, their coach bonus has just done an amazing job with them. Um, and a small market team, you know, small building, you know, I think that I think Winnipeg is the most, most surprising team to me. I think Arizona Coyotes are the second most surprising team followed by Philly and Vancouver. Those are, those are the teams that I just, I can't believe that they're doing what they're doing. You know, how about the Kings? The Kings are quietly sitting in third place in that, in that division quietly and still, Florida, well, Florida, I, I think Florida, I think Florida is is the is the again the dark horse here that nobody's kind of really watching because they play a brand of hockey that is that is hard nose, you know that Matthew Kachuk style, but still they find they have talent up the wazoo. Um, yep. Is it speaking of Florida that that whole Nick Cousins debacle that the league just dropped the ball on again? Um, this kid continues to do things and, and play a game that he's got to be careful of. And it's like the third hit from behind that he's had this year. Um, it's almost and, like he's related to Paros or something. Well, I mean, the fact of what he did <laughs> against it, it, you know, it's, 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 it's funny you say that it's because there's somebody that's looking after this kid. I mean, he hits that, he hits that, that Good defenseman. Branson. He, he, no, well, Branson, he hit even worse. And, and yeah. then, then Gabranson comes after him and you know Gabranson gets the gets the fine or whatever. But then, you know, this what was the kid in Phoenix, the defenseman did he hit? I mean, this kid was on on the ice. On, on his, his knees. On his knees. On his knees with his back face with his face facing the board. And Nick Cousins just jumps and jumps at his head and hits him into the boards. And because this kid is tough, he gets up and just keeps playing. And then what happens? In comes Jason Zucker, who's not a big guy. He's not a fighter, but he's a team guy. And he hits Nick Cousins a lot lighter than Nick Cousins hit the other guy. And he hits the glass. And what does Nick Cousins oh, do? Oh, it was so embarrassing. He, he goes down and he acts like he's dead. Oh, oh it was And so he lays on the ice and he acts like he's dead. And, and knowing Peros the way he and how honorable he was, I can't believe he didn't fucking suspend that guy for that. Because that's that was that's disgusting to show that that's okay to flop like that and then get a embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's, what it makes a rat a rat though? What makes a rat 
What made what made Sean Avery arguably the most hated guy in the NHL? What made what made Steve Ott one of the most hated guys? Matt Cook. Matt Cook. What made those guys, you know, who they were like playing on the edge? Well, they played on the edge. They played on the edge. They played over the edge. They didn't play on the edge. They played over the edge. And people most of them, most them. Of, most of them didn't fight. They didn't fight. They didn't stick they up didn't for fight. themselves. They they turtled. They they basically chirped in your face and and wanted you to punch them in the face because these guys wanted to take a full-fledged punch to the face to get two minutes. So that's that's the type of player they were. And whether you hate it or you or you love it. They are playing the style that is trying to help their team get the most out of their game. So they're, they sacrifice. Steve Ott sacrificed, and so did Cook, and so did Avery, and you can go on um, with, with other guys. Like Brad Marchand back in the day, Like people wanted to kill him. You wanted to kill him. You wanted to take a penalty on him, and Boston, Boston was okay with that because they got power plays because of it. I don't like I don't like the cousins. Uh I don't like the way he plays. Irritates me. I don't like the way he's turtling after every time he's he's making these plays. But there's always going to be players like this in the league. And they're always going to be somewhat protected, even more now than ever before. These players like this is why you need the instigator rule to be. Yeah, we see, we we've been talking about that for 10 years now, JR. It's never going to come back. They don't want I know it's more not, I know it's not going to, but do you think players would be like that if they had to instigate a ruling? Let me just a simple question. Yes. I know. Yes, oh, I do. I yes, yeah. I do. No way. Yes, because you know Cook was doing it. And 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 Avery was doing it and and all of these players were doing it even when there were instigator rules. Well, Patrick could, Coletta. Yeah. Patrick Coletta. One of the one of the toughest guys that I've played with ran around the ice with his head cut off, smoking guys from behind, trying to blow guys up only for one reason. Do you know what that is, JR? It's so there was going to be a reaction from the other team. And he he at one point was telling me. He he! T- there was more penalties against Patrick Coletta in one of the years by literally a landslide to number two. Patrick Coletta sacrificed his body to basically for the betterment of the team. That's what he did. And Nick Cousins is not going to change. It's not going to change. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I agree with you. The instigator, right. the instigator rule is not going to change that. Anything to add before we get out of here, Jr. No, it's just good to be back on with my boys. Good to be back on with my boys. You um, had uh, you had Marty. Can I tell you a quick story before I let you go? One of the dumbest things I ever did in my entire NHL career. Tell me. You had Marty Berdur on your show? Yep. I'm glad I didn't bring this up to you, and I'm glad you didn't mention it to him on the air. I thought about when you said he was coming on about our Halloween party when I was playing in New Jersey. I love Marty, by the way. I love Marty Berdur. I think he's, he's one great. of the coolest guys. I just he's great. A superstar. Yes. He's just so different than every superstar. But um, we were hammered. I was hammered, and uh, you know I can't remember what we were doing. We were playing a game at the pool at the uh, the Halloween party, and you know I went to ball tap Marty, but I didn't mean to do it hard, and I ball tapped him so hard I took Berdur down to the butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> He's done that to me so many times, but not in a good way. Oh, and I, and I, I, I swear to God, he gets up and he was, he was sweating. He was. I you got just him hit him perfect. You got him perfect. I, he was. You got him right on. Up. You got him right on the membrane. Boom. And he looks Sorry. at me and he goes, he goes, and then I just came to the team in September. This is fucking October. He goes, don't ever fucking do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you know what times. I did? You know what I did? I went and ball tapped Brian Rolston. Oh, that's so good. You know how many times? You know how many times Marty Berdur has hit me in the smoothie with a stick? Like <laughs> twenty times. It was terrible. It oh, was terrible. The, the, I mean, how yeah. fucking stupid can you be? You know, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, but, we got um, we got uh, PK Subban on Snipes and Stripes tonight, and then next week we got good old Paul Bissonette. Hey Craig, nice. I I guess we uh, looking at the A listers that Jr. is getting on. I guess we're not really going to be making it on that. Well, we'll be oh, no. Oh, listen, we'll be on Snipes and Stripes. You absolutely will. Be. Yeah, absolutely. No, not going to be year seven or eight. Not going to be year seven or eight. I love you guys more than anything. Hey Riv, you know what we're going to be? We're going to be a fucking late July show. <laughs> In year two thousand twenty-nine. <laughs> oh, so we got we got we got we got some really soft-hearted people. Sorry, boys. I love oh, you. I love man. you. You know I what, Jr. You. I've always wanted to say this. Go fuck yourself. <laughs>